Hey, hey, Cornerstone. How you doing? Hey, we're starting a brand new series called The Test. And uh, my hope is, as we have a conversation over the next couple weeks, that every person in this room is going to say, sign me up. I want to take that test. So here's, here's the deal. My guess is there's plenty of Christians in this room who would say, look, man, the following Jesus thing has been great and I'm in and I've enjoyed it. And I'm just telling you, God has changed my life at a level that I never even imagined. And yet there's a part of me that just says, hey, I wonder if I'm experiencing everything that God has for me. I, there, there's just a little bit of a sense that says, hey, I, I just think maybe, maybe there's something more. To, and I, I haven't even tapped into that. And what if I said to you today, you may be right. That, that it's possible that God has a whole bunch of blessing for you and for me that we've never experienced. And, and, you know, I don't know, you know, I can't tell you what the blessing is. You know, the blessing may be financial. The blessing might just be opportunities in your life that right now you're not experiencing those opportunities. Uh, it, it might just be that you all of a sudden have insight and understanding and you find yourself going up the corporate ladder because you're ahead of all your I don't know what the blessing is. I don't know that. But what if I told you God says, hey, there's blessing that you could experience if you would simply take the test, then I would show up with the blessing. How many would say, you know, I, if, if I, there was a test that God would bless, I, I'd be sort of interested in the test. Okay, some of you are going, I think this is a test. I'm not sure. What if I told you that to take this test, you don't have to study tons of theology, it's not multiple, you don't have to get a lot of answers right, that actually taking the test means you pass the test. That if you take the test, you pass the test, and all of a sudden, God takes what he was planning to do, the blessings he had set aside for you, and begins to put those in your life. Say, man, if you're telling me that just taking the test means I pass the test, I might even be a little more interested. Okay, some of you are still scared to that. So here's the deal. Somewhere in the next couple of weeks, my hope is, is that every one of us is going to go, are you kidding me? Sign me up. I want to take that test. So here we go. Grab your Bibles because there's a passage that describes what the test is all about. And then we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then you're going to decide, do you want to take the test or do you not want to take the test? So grab your Bibles, go to the book of Matthew. If you're not familiar, if you go to the back of your Bible, start working to the left, you're going to find this book of Matthew. All right. So while everybody's getting there, uh, you've noticed that we've got a big pipe with a big valve uh, here. Uh, have you heard of SeaWorld and the Splash Zone? So who's interested in a poncho? Yeah? Okay, there you go. Poncho, or are you just going to rough it? All right, right there in there. All right. So I don't know if we're going to reset that. Okay, so there you go. So I warned you before we started. All right, so if you got to the book of Matthew, keep going left. You're going to cross out of the New Testament and the Old Testament to a book called Malachi. It's the last book of the Old Testament, just before the book of Matthew. And in this book, uh, God describes the test. Here we go. It's, Math- it's Malachi chapter 3. Starts in verse 6. Here's what it says. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Now, let me set this up. So Israel, the Jews, have turned their backs on God. And they've gone to worship other gods. And to live just horrible, sinful lifestyles. And God says, look, by all rights, I should just wipe you out. I I should just call game over, we're done. 
But he says, I am the God who does not change. And I promised Abraham that he would always have descendants. So I'm going to honor my promise, even though you don't deserve my promise. Okay? To the Lord, I do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Verse 7. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees. And you have not kept them. Return to me. And I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? And now it gets interesting. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. Now, a tithe is when you take the first 10% of your income and you set that aside and you give that to God. It's your way of saying, hey, you're more important than anything I could buy with this 10%. I'm going to honor you. I realize I got it from you. And so you take the first 10% of whatever you earn, you tithe it. Matter of fact, tithe actually means tenth. And so you give that. Offerings are what I give over and above my tithe. So when you hear us talking about Haruma and we say there's orphans who need your help, or when you hear us talking about India and we say there's lepers there that we're trying to feed, or you just say, hey, look, I'm going to help a homeless person. Whatever that is, whatever you give beyond after the tithe is offering, tithes and offerings. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, he says, you are under a curse, your whole nation. Now God says, look, 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 this isn't something we're going to blink at. This isn't a little conversation. He says, a matter of fact, because you've been disobedient, because you've turned your heart away from me in this matter of your finances, I'm actually cursing you. You realize God's saying in the moment, I'm actually working against you right now because of your unfaithfulness toward me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, the church. And then look at the next word. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for you to store it. So look what God just said. God said, hey, there are things that I was hoping to do for you. There were places I was planning to bless you that you've not experienced because you've never taken the test. You've never been obedient in this area of your life. And therefore, what I wanted to do, what I wanted to help you, I haven't. Because you haven't passed the test. Verse 11. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations, watch this, all the nations will call you blessed. They'll see what I'm doing for you and on your behalf. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You realize what God is saying in this moment is that in order to put him to the test, is he going to bless me? Is he going to supply my need when I tithe to him? You have to take a test. That in this moment, you're going to decide, do I trust God not to leave me in want and not to leave me short? Do I really believe him? And the first test that we're going to talk about is the test of trust. Do I really trust and take God at his word? Now, here's the deal. 
in the next few weeks, as we have this conversation, I'm not going to beat you up. I'm not going to twist your arm. I'm not going to try to make you feel guilty. My goal is for you and I to have a conversation. At the end of it, you're going to go, man, sign me. I want to take the test. I want to do that. Okay? And so uh, in your seat backs right now, you've got a card that looks like this. So grab it out of your seat back. I promise it will not burn your fingers. It will not melt your eyeballs. It's not going to do it. Okay? So grab one of these. And we're calling this the 90-day tithe challenge. And here's what we're just going to ask you to consider prayerfully doing. That you would make a commitment to tithe for 90 days. To put God to the test and see if God is faithful or not. Does God stay true to his word? Does he take care of us when we trust him? And here's the deal. Your church, your church believes with all of our hearts that God is going to show up. That God's going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. So here's our promise to you. If you sign up to take the 90-day tithing challenge, and if God lets you down, if God doesn't fill the gap for you, then we will refund your tithe. Whoa, what a deal, huh? I mean, that's, that's a pretty good deal. But here's, here's why we're willing, because we are absolutely 100% confident that God keeps his word, so it's not a big thing for us to stand with him. But our promise is to you, you sign up, you take the pledge. If God doesn't show up, we'll refund 100% of whatever you tithe over the next 90 days, okay? So you're going to prayerfully think about that and consider that, okay? Again, no arm twisting. No one's going to beat you up. I hope you get to the point you go, man, I want to take that test. I want to see what it is that God has for me that I haven't experienced yet. But here's, the, here's my promise. I guarantee you there are some of us in this room who will not sign up. Even with the guarantee, even with God's promise, even though the creator of the universe said, test me in this, there are some of us in this room that won't sign up. Which here's what's interesting to me. You realize this is the only place in scripture in which God says, test me. It's the only place. Matter of fact, if you remember when Jesus is on this earth, remember Satan is tempting him and Satan says to Jesus, hey, look. Let's go up to the top of the temple. You jump off. Uh, Let's see if God sends his angels to catch you. Because if he does that, you'll know for sure, Jesus, that you're the son of God. But better than that, everybody else seeing it happen will know that you're the son of God. And remember what Jesus says back to Satan in that moment. Thou shalt not test the Lord your God. Because the prevailing rule is, hey, God's not interested in you and I putting him to the test. He wants you and I to live by faith. He wants you and I to trust him and take him at his word. And so he just says, look, we're not going to do a bunch of silly little tests. You're not, you're not going to, we're not going to do that. And yet, think about this. In Malachi, he says, I, I understand. I understand this is hard. I understand this is something that is going to be a big, hard swallow for you to try. So in this one instance, okay, put me to the test. See if I'm faithful. See if the God of the universe would let you down when you trusted him. Let's have a test. And despite that fact, despite the fact that God has made a promise, there are some of us in the room that are not going to take the test. We'll be too afraid. Matter of fact, just the idea that we're talking about this topic, some of you in this room, your hearts are going, go, 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 go. Right now, I just know you're going, oh, please don't say anything that convinces me to take the test. Please don't. I just, I don't want to do this. Some of us, some of us in the room, you're already angry at me and I haven't even asked you to do anything yet. You're already angry because this topic is, some of you are sitting here right now, you're going, if I get up and walk out right now, will people think I'm going after coffee? 
could I, could I get out of here easy on the deal? And here, let me just ask you this. If this isn't a big deal, if this thing of money is not a competing God in our life, then why are we so freaked out about it? Why does it cause such a visceral response anytime the pastor has this conversation? Because the answer it is, is a big deal. And here's why. Because fundamentally inside of us, here's what we believe. We believe that money buys us happiness. That if we have enough money, we can buy enough things, we can build a big enough pile to feel safe and secure. With money, we can be content. And here's the irony of when we think that way. You realize if our children said that same thing out loud, we'd say, no, no, no. If we heard our kids go, hey, you know what? Someday I want to earn a lot of money so I can be happy. We would instantaneously say, no, 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 don't think that way. Don't spend your life trying to get money and buy things that are only going to break and fade away and get old. And we'll never, I mean, the leather, it's amazing how soon the leather stops smelling like leather and starts smelling like baby. Yeah, anyways. Right? And we say to our kids, don't even think that way. It's a horrible way to think. And yet, you ready for this? The minute you and I come to the conversation of the tithe, we go, no, 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 no. Don't talk to me about that. I mean, here, look, look. here's the deal, Lynn. I've heard this conversation before. I've processed this before. And, and for me to actually think about giving 10%, I'd have to change. I'd have to modify my spending. And look, I've already figured it out. I'd end up driving a Nissan. A Nissan. And you don't understand, Lynn, you don't understand how much fulfillment I get out of my leased BMW. And I'm just telling you, I mean, the idea that I would lose that status, a a Nissan. Some of us are going, no, no, Lynn, if I did this, I'd have to modify my cable plan. I'd have to let go of NFL season pass. And here's what you don't understand. You don't understand. I'm a Bears fan. And you don't get Bears football on regular programming, partly because they're bad. But you don't get, no, you don't get it. And so here's the deal. And if I don't see Bears football, I get mean. I get angry and I get cranky and I take it out on the kids and I'm fussing at my wife and I don't produce at work. So I'm just telling you, this is part of my health plan. And I, I, you don't understand. And let me just say to you, look, look, if this fills your heart with terror and if it's, if you're already, you know, if you're struggling already, you're not alone. You're not alone. Matter of fact, can I say to you, there are reasonably mature Christians who struggle with exactly this issue. Uh, if you've been around here any length of time at all, you know that we encourage people to go on our missions trips. Matter of fact, we're probably a church that sends more adults on mission trips than any church that I'm aware of. And part of why we do that is because we know if you get to the field, if you see what God is doing, if you touch and handle orphans, uh, you'll come back and you'll just be changed. You'll be for it. So our heart is that every adult who goes to Cornerstone home at some point would go on a missions trip. But here's the deal. Uh, you're probably pretty cooked. You're probably pretty far in your faith by the time you go on a missions trip. Here's why. To go on a missions trip, you're probably giving up your vacation. You could have gone to the Grand Canyon. You could have gone to Florida. You could have gone to California. But instead, you're giving up your vacation to go to India or to go to Kenya. 
Beyond that, you end up having to raise support. So you've got to work. You've got to call friends and ask them for support and money. You've got to work to even get right, the money to go on the mission trip. And then when you get there, we put you to work. So the, the reality is, you're probably fairly, by the time you would say, that's important to me and I want to do that, you're probably fairly cooked in your faith. When we take missions trips with our adults, on the second day, we try to have this meeting. And on the second day, the meeting is, hey, you've been here two days. What's been the most surprising thing? What's been the most outstanding thing that you didn't even think of before you came, but boy, now you're learning it. And can I tell you that nearly every single time when we ask that question, the first hand that goes up says this. I'm just shocked. I am really, really surprised that these orphan kids who don't have anything but a stick to play with are happy. Now let that sink in a minute. You've just heard a fairly mature Christian say, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that these kids who don't have things are happy. They don't have iPads, they don't have iPhones, and they're happy. How's that possible? And in that moment, we reveal that you and I, even though we're Christians, and we would say with our mouths that money does not buy happiness, our hearts still believe it does. It's why it's so terrifying to think about maybe obeying and taking the test. That's the reason the test really is a test. That's the reason that just taking the test is enough to thrill the heart of God. Isn't it interesting that in Malachi, when God says to them, hey, come back to me, and they say, well, God, how would we come back to you? Isn't it interesting that in that moment he says, all right, give me your tithes and offerings. Why was that the touchstone? Why didn't he say, hey, uh, stop sleeping with your neighbor's wife? Why didn't he say, hey, start praying more? Why didn't he say, hey, have a, a service of confession and repent? Why did he say, Start honoring me with your finances. You ready? Because God knew that the number one competing God with him was the almighty dollar. That if you and I could make that decision, that almost everything else would follow. So here, here, here's, here's what I'm to tell you. That if you're, if you're struggling, if you're withholding obedience to God in this area of finances... I can almost promise you it's not the only place you're withholding from God. Because this is symptomatic of our lives. Matter of fact, Jesus says the same thing. Grab your Bibles and go with me over to Matthew. We're actually going to go there and stay this time. And Jesus describes this dilemma for us. It's Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse... 24. Here's what it says. You ready? This is Jesus. No one, nobody, a lot of people have tried, but nobody's pulled this off. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, 
or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. He says, look, look, here's the deal. You can't have divided loyalties. You can't possibly have two gods that you worship in your life. It's not possible. You'll actually trust one God over the other. You'll love one God more than you love the other. And then he goes on to say, you ready? You cannot serve both God and money. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said the greatest competitor for your heart to replace God will actually be green ink and paper. Now, here's the deal. I I totally get it. I totally get why people who are far from God and our friends who've never made a decision for Christ, uh, people who uh, have never, ever, ever found Christ, I get why they bow down to this God. Because in their hearts, they're going, look, this is my one hope. I mean, I don't, I don't believe in him, so the only possible hope I have to find any sense of accomplishment, any sense of fulfillment in my life, is what I can purchase with this. I totally understand why people who are far from God bow to this God instead. And I, and I get why atheists would bow to this God. And they would never want to admit it. They wouldn't want to admit that money had become their God. But the reality is the only way they're going to try to stay in control, the only way they're going to try to manufacture and manipulate their life is by manufacturing and manipulating this. So I I totally get why people far from God would worship that God. What I don't understand is why those who name the name of Jesus would ever bow to this God. That we would say, hey, there's where my trust is, there's where my hope is, there's where my faith is, because I'm not sure about that one. You realize Christians don't tithe. Okay. All right. So, right here, Okay, right here. Everybody on this side of right here, stand up. It's okay. It's okay. It's not a trick. Oh, you're all tithers now. No, I'm teasing. All right. Okay, a couple more. Couple more. Couple, couple more. Stand up. Oh, okay, that's too many. So start sitting down. Sit, sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. In the back. Sit down. Couple more. Sit down. Okay. All right. Anybody know how many Christians tithe? What percentage? Nine percent. Nine percent, which means, you ready for this? All the rest of us don't believe that God is capable and are still trusting this God. You guys can sit down. Thank you for being tithers. Thank you for doing Don't clap. They're not actually tithers. They're representative. Jesus knew there was a competition of gods in our life. Who am I going to trust? And the interesting thing is, you ready for this? That when I take the tithe, something incredibly powerful happens in my heart. Do you ever wonder why God asked for 10%? 
I mean, doesn't, isn't the truth that he could have asked for it all? I mean, it all really is his, right? Why did he ask for 10%? This is my guess. My guess is that he was saying, look, okay, look, I'm not going to freak you out. I'm going to leave you enough that you know you're okay. But I'm going to take enough to scare you. Here's, here's what I know. Nobody has ever tithed on accident. See, you didn't drop 20 in last week and you dropped in 20 and you went, Woo, I'm tithing. How did that happen? You have never tithed on accident. Because this is enough. It has to be a decision. But you want to know what it's enough also for? It's enough for me to say, I no longer trust the old God. And in order to give my tithe, I'm trusting the new one. Which means it's an incredibly powerful decision in my life. So, I've got a friend. Matter of fact, you may have met him. He actually comes to church here. He's on our elder board. His name is Alan Furman. Alan Furman was a kid in my youth group all the way back when. Which means Alan and Abraham, they were like this. Okay, they were really close buddies. And uh, when we came to plant Cornerstone, Alan and his wife, Nicole, came to be part of that original group of people planting the church. And fairly early on, Alan was sitting in a service like this and said, you know what, I think I, think I ought to be tithing. In Alan's case, to actually tithe meant he was really going to go home and make changes. He, he had to adjust some things in his life. And he said, Lynn, it was scary, it was hard, but I did it. We just said, well, look, we're going to be faithful to God, we're going to take the test, we're going to trust God to show up. And so they began to tithe. About four months after Alan and Nicole began to tithe, Alan gets called into his boss's office. Alan's thinking, I'm losing my job. As he sits in his boss's office, he said, hey, we've been watching you, and we want you to know that we're giving you a promotion, and we're giving you a significant pay raise. Alan walks out of the office that he thought he was getting fired in, and he's saying to himself, how did that happen? I'm just the cable guy. He works for Cox. I'm just the installer. How does a guy like me, who barely has a high school education, Alan had actually dropped out of high school, had to go back later to finish his degree. How does a guy like me get promoted out of the blue? And he said, Lynn, maybe I'm just a dummy, you know, I'm slow. He said, it was like a year later, I'm driving along in my car, and I'm still saying to myself, how did that happen to me? And he went, I started tithing right before that. And a matter of fact, since then, Alan, a guy with a high school diploma, has either been promoted or gotten a significant pay raise six more times. This guy is literally in the upper, upper leadership at Cox. Now, look, look, look. If, you're, if your cable's having problems, don't call Alan. That's not why I'm telling you this. I'm telling you, you can't believe the status which God has brought and the promotion that God has brought in this guy's life who has a high school diploma. And you go, well, Lynn, that's just because he's a hard worker. That's just because he caught on to things really well. That's because he was adept at picking up leadership principles. And I go, oh, okay, okay. But is it possible that is the blessing of God? That God helped a guy with a high school to be an amazing learner and an incredible out-of-the-box leader that was suddenly noticed by the people around him and was given promotion? Is it possible that was the blessing? Because, guys, at the end of the day, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's financial. I don't know if your kids just don't need braces and all the neighbors have crooked teeth. I don't know how this works 
I'm just telling you that God says, I have blessing for you that you will never see or know until you decide to trust me and take the test. So let me ask you a question. If I were to look at your checking account, which God would I believe you trust? Because it'd be real easy, right? It shouldn't take me but a few minutes. If I were to look at your checking account, which God would I know that you trust? Now, here's the thing. I think you're crazy. I think you're crazy if you don't take the test. That the God of the universe would say, I'm promising you I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to show up for you. Take the test. And your church is backing it. I'm 15 years old. My dad comes to me and he says, hey, Lynn, uh, you're going to be turning 16 in about a year. Here's the deal I'm going to make with you. If you'll save everything you can for this next year, I'll match it when you go to buy a car at 9% interest and you can pay me back. To which I'm going, well, thanks a lot, dad. So my own dad is going to charge me exorbitant interest. Wow, what a deal. But I did. I saved up for that whole year. I got to $600. My dad came forward with $600 more at 9% interest with payments. And I bought myself this amazingly ugly car uh, called an AMC Ambassador. So there it is. And actually, the picture makes it look a lot better than it did. It was a horrifyingly... I mean, I I would drive it like this, not because I thought it was a lowrider, because I didn't want any of my friends to see me in the AMC Ambassador car. And, and to make it worse, it had this huge spotlight thing on the front of it because it was a former highway patrol car. Okay, It was just a horrifying car. And uh, as I had this car, I was making the payments on it. I'm getting toward the end of the payments. Now the car is breaking down. So I'm frustrated and kind of put out and I start taking the money that I should have given me giving my dad as the payments and I'm using it to repair the car. I missed the last two payments. A couple of months later, my dad comes up to me and he says, hey, uh, you missed the last couple of payments. And I said, I know, I know, car's breaking down. He says, you know, that was too bad because I was taking every payment you made, including the interest and I was putting it in a bank account. And if you would have finished the payments, I was going to give it to you in a lump sum. Anybody want to guess what the next words out of my mouth were? Why didn't you tell me it was a test? I would have gone through with it. You realize your heavenly father just told you. If you would simply take the test, if you would put your trust in me, I'm going to bless. I've got things waiting for you. And I'm going to come through if you'll take the test. Why would you not take that test? And your church has taken all the risk out of it for you because we're back in God. How would you not do that? So here's the deal. In just a few moments, the ushers are going to come. No pressure. No pressure. Matter of fact, we've got a couple more weeks to talk about this a little bit. But if you're ready, because there may be some in the room and you go, look, I don't need, I, I get it. I get it. And so you can just take a moment. You can fill out the card. When the ushers come, you can drop it in the offering plate. If you're not ready, don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. I want you to take the test when you want to take the test.
Okay? But if you fill the card out today, here's all I'm going to ask you. Would you tithe? Would you tithe because the tithe is what's going to take you from trusting the old God to trusting the new God? My son was five. And we were over at grandma's house, over at my mom's house. And we're doing that, you know, that rocket thing you do with a rubber band and you shoot it up and it's got a little helicopter thing comes down. And you already know, about five times in, guess where it lands? On the roof. So I take my five-year-old son and I, no, I helped him. I helped him up on the roof, gently like a good father would do. I helped him up. He gets the helicopter. He throws the helicopter down. Now the dilemma comes. He's got to get off the roof. Now the roof's not that high. You know, the older houses, the roofs were like eight feet you know, on the deal. And so he's sitting there with his feet dangling off and I can grab his feet, but that's freaking him out. He's like, no, dad, no, not that way. So I finally, I said, okay, Josh, here's like, look, you're just going to have to jump and then I'll catch you, which is a horrifying idea because he knows his father and that I, you know, and, and he's going, no, dad, no. But, you know, if you're a five-year-old, you're looking and I mean, it looks like a mile down and going, Josh, look, it's like 11 inches. I'm going to catch you. Trust me. You realize that's exactly the conversation you're having right now with your heavenly father. That he's saying, look, I'm telling you, if you'll slide off, if you'll take this test of, I promise you, I'll catch you. I will not let you fall. I will not let you suffer. Trust me. And guys, I'm just telling you, Some of us in this room, we've been dangling off that roof for a long time. And it's about time that you and I would just go, okay, Dad, here I come. I trust you to catch me. It's a test. It's a test of trust. Let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we just come before you and you, you nailed it. You told us that we live in a world with competing gods, that people who are far from God and people who don't believe in you are always going to bow the knee to money. It's going to be their favorite God to put their faith in apart from you. But your children, your children have no place bowing to that God. And so you issued a test. You said, look, declare to the world, declare to your own heart that your faith and your trust is in me. And so give me the tithe. Give me the first of all that comes to your hand. Because in doing that, you'll slide off the roof and I'll catch you. Trust me. And so, God, I'm just praying for this room. I'm praying that literally hundreds and hundreds of us in this room would today take the test. We just say, I'm going to trust the God of the universe. I'm jumping off the roof. I believe in a heavenly father that catches his children. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.